work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to a post-Sunday blues, the preaching post-mortem. Is it a post-Sunday blues or the The. Oh, it might be the. I think we should change it to the. <laughs> Who else is doing this? Anyone else ex- ex- excavating their sermons? Yeah, it, it, it's always been the. You, you just said a. <laughs> oh, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's a because we stole it from Liberty Harrisburg and... <laughs> they didn't have this title though. <laughs> um, maybe you should... Maybe you should um, trademark this and start your own uh, podcast network. Oh, yeah, that's good. We'll, I'll talk to Liberty Legal about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get right on it. Welcome, though. Welcome, listeners. Uh, this is Emily. I'm the wife of Jim Anger. Hello, hello. Said pastor who uh-huh. did said sermon that we are going I to... I did the deed. Um, pastor Jim in the pulpit right now. with the sketchy notes. <laughs> um. Yeah, your notes are very sketchy. At home meeting last week, uh, you handed your note card <laughs> to the person sitting next to you because you couldn't read your own notes, and you were hoping that they would be able to rec- read it. Which, which proved true, actually. <laughs> you are a strange yeah. soul. Take, takes a village. A very strange soul. Bad handwriting. It happens. Um, Someday. You know, like I think that you were advanced in that because bad handwriting is very prevalent these days. Yeah, I think I saw an article about the death of cursive. Yeah, it's so. it's died. I haven't used true cursive since third grade. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> if not me, then who? Um, <laughs> so I I've been starting off usually with uh, a random question from your blog. Yeah. Um, your blog was kind of like your sermon, so I'm gonna skip that, and okay. then I would have. I would have gone through <laughs> the Top Gun um, podcast. I did listen to some of it, but I. I'm just not a Top Gun person, human. That's okay. um, it wasn't it wasn't my it wasn't my cup of Joe. So did, did you hear me sing at the end? I did not get that. Oh, far. <laughs> yeah. So I apologize, that but five golden things is, is kind of the like pop in pop out type of podcast. If it's if it's up up your alley, then listen. If it's not, then yeah. Um, but I have not been an action movie person. Yeah, and you have not seen Top Gun ever. I, I don't know if you've, have barely, you seen the first Top Gun. I um, it, it was my brother's favorite movie, so I probably walked in on it occasionally, but I huh. I do not believe that I ever like sat down and watched I, it. I would not have guessed that it was your brother's favorite movie. I don't even know if it was. I just remember that's one of my childhood <laughs> memories. Um, your dad's favorite movie? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, well, actually, I'll 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 go there. What is your okay. favorite movie? Do you have Do you have a favorite movie? Uh, the first Captain America movie. Oh, that was boring. <laughs> <laughs> first Avenger. Why not? You know, there might be new listeners though. What What was the What What's your uh, your origin story for Captain America? Oh, okay. My friend Sahil was a comic book reader, and when I got to know him, still friends with him on on a text thread, see him occasionally. So he was a comic book reader. He his came from an Indian immigrant family back in India, apparently. I don't know if this is... I've never verified this, but he says that comic books are actually kept in libraries. This is before 
libraries started to stock graphic novels, but single issues hmm. in Mumbai, Sahil would just read all these comic books and then kept the habit coming to the States in early elementary school. And so he and I, when we would hang out, we would walk down to the corner store, like a 7-Eleven that had an old school spindle wire frame comic book rack. And we just spend hours there reading. And Sahil was more of an X-Men type. I gravitated towards the Avengers and specifically <laughs> Captain America starting in fourth and fifth grade. Because he's the best, and I never stopped reading. So I always liked how he was a leader, how he was misunderstood, how he always tried to do the right thing, and was actually a lot more fun and personable than people thought. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that resonate so? <laughs> we just don't know. We'll never oh, know. Man. What a guy. Such a reach. Yeah. Actually, this relates to the your sermon just because... Um, so I was in nursery this Sunday, and I, I missed um, listening live in person. Yeah. So I was listening last night. When's the last time you've listened online to a sermon of mine? Um, I have. I even feel like I've talked about it on this podcast. The, okay. the very same point I'm about to make. Gotcha. But um, Make it again. I found that listening online or, or listening while distracted by other things was not as good of an experience as listening live Fair or at enough. least you know my mind has really gotten you you would think that as you get you get older you'd be better at listening and better at uh everything life but actually I I actually I get i get distracted a lot and so i was especially distracted because someone came in and asked me to watch she hulk with them <laughs> that person being you <laughs> right so i felt I would, so guilty about spoiling it for you last week that um, i had to keep on it midway th so midway through listening to your sermon i stopped for she hulk and then came back to your sermon and i i don't think it was the best way of listening to a sermon <laughs> people saying better in person well not everybody actually <laughs> but you it, it is a little bit of a commentary again on the post-COVID ease of listening to sermons online. And mm. I guess there are ways to focus yourself when you're actually listening. But because I'm so used to podcasting or listening to podcasts while doing other tasks, yep. it just becomes another thing where I feel like I'm... Your candy. I'm, I'm half listening, half not. And so even though I was taking notes, you are going to have to spell out the message a little bit more carefully. Today. I can do it. Um. So let's jump in. Why this sermon? Why this Sunday? What's going on with you? What was going on? The context behind this sermon? Genesis chapter 15. This is so unlike the past couple of sermons from Genesis M where lesser known Pat passages went in without having an idea about major themes that would be in the passages and that sort of thing. Genesis 15 is the famous passage where there is this covenant ceremony, Abram makes sacrifices, and the covenant is renewed. So I knew that going in, no huge surprises from doing commentary work this time. But what grabbed my attention was this whole concept, and I talked about this in the introduction, of hitting refresh over and over and over again, which is where Abram is finding himself at the beginning of the passage, He's like, I don't have an heir. And mm -hmm. all of these promises, God, that you've made to me are contingent upon that. And so he's spinning his wheels a little bit. And this is a season of life where I feel like I may be hitting refresh a little too much myself. So 
This was a sermon that hopefully spoke through me to other people, but it spoke to me as well. Right. Um, that context of what what do you feel like are the specifics of that? What are what what is God doing? Either what are you seeing in in society, examples of society, or examples for yourself of that that context of pushing a refresh. I, well, I, th- I think personally, this is you know continues to be a uh, challenging season for church leadership, and as a result, there is you know are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we th- are we there yet? But church is never going to be there, and mm-hmm. li- life is never going to be there. So instead of waiting for some proximate destination to come, God calls me to be a faithful steward and depend upon Him for fruitfulness and not my own machinations. And yeah, so for, and then more broadly, I think we all face temptations in different ways to take matters into our own hands. And we have an invitation continually from the living Lord, not to take matters into our own hands, but trust instead. Right. And I, I, I see that the, (laughs) (laughs) obviously (laughs) the headlines. Like we've talked about this offline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead. We, we should we could turn this into a marriage counseling oh, yeah. um, session yeah. <laughs> podcast <laughs> can let let us know if we, you want the five golden things on five ways mar- oh. marriage <laughs> can sure. be can do the happy version tense <laughs> version um anyhow what was i saying the oh the headlines and it, it does address um i think all of our tendencies to like just want the next stage of life to begin yeah and then finally, more more broadly with Stormy Monday, this is something that when I was writing, doing some writing earlier this morning for this coming week's sermon, I think the themes are, are there in Genesis, but it's feeling fresher to me. I think I'm going to come back and talk this coming Sunday at least a little bit about how insecurity can be a driver for us. So Sarai also is wavering and wondering about God's promises to her and to Abram about having an inheritance, having an heir. And so she kind of forces Hagar as a surrogate wife onto Abram in order to make sure that Abram has a child so so that the line can continue. That's Sarai feeling insecure in different ways there. So mm-hmm. I think this is just a season of life that can feel very insecure and it's an opportunity for us to double down and find what is secure. And I think apart from God, very little is. Right. It, it actually makes me think of Advent also, the idea of waiting, no. um, yeah. waiting upon promises and, and uh, the season of, of Advent is like a time of, it's not, I guess your point is you shouldn't hit refresh. <laughs> Is that point is that true? I don't know if that yeah, analogy just, breaks down. Uh, yeah. You can just like you can or don't just obsessively do it over and over and over and, again. And us and know that the screen is eventually going to come clear. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, just a week or two ago, I put down my first take on what our Advent sermon series is going mm. to be. Actually. Okay. Well, that can be brewing in the background as the, you think about these I'd, topics. I'd, I won't tease. I won't say what texts right now, just to build up a sense of anticipation. But the ti- the first part of the title of the Advent Sermon series is The Plan All Along. 
I like it. It is. It's not as like. It's not as. Um, it's not as edgy as as some versions of your early titles can be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think my favorite all time sermon series oh, no. title was from the sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And the title of that sermon series was Best Sermon Ever. Yeah. Oh, man, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's move on to Stun Studios, where we think about how this message of refreshing and faith um, Mm -hmm. and grace uh, got made. How did the sausage get made, as they say? Mm. Um, What's the Bible passage of Sunday again? You kind of jumped into it a little bit, but tell us a little more. Genesis chapter 15, covenant renewal. So the main track of Genesis for Abram is the establishment of God's covenant with Abram, then becoming Abraham. And kind of the four main chapters that do that are chapters 12, chapters 15, chapter 17, and chapter 22. So this is the second of those four super important chapters. And this is where the covenant with Abram is confirmed. And like I mentioned a moment ago, Em, it stuck out to me in a fresh way where the context of covenant affirmation and renewal with Abram is, at least at the beginning of the passage, his wavering in faith. God says, if you're not Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But then Abram's like, oh no, what will you give me? Don't have an heir, Eliezer of Damascus. So that's the only mention of Eliezer of Damascus mm-hmm. in in all of the scriptures. Kind of, kind of a bozo a little bit so yeah so Eliezer of Damascus who is a very distant relative uh uh potentially a a servant in the extended household of Abram so Abram's complaining like hey if this is if this is the best that I have for an heir that's really no heir at all Mm -hmm. God you are failing in your promises so that sets up the reassurance of the covenant renewal ceremony here right right um, can you talk a little bit about the word covenant? Because like, yes. I, I remember hearing, I don't even remember who it was, who just like paused at the, the term in covenant class that we use for mm-hmm. membership class. Like right. how, how covenant, the word covenant works in this and also with Liberty in covenant classes. Oh, well, we just had in covenant class on Sunday afternoon, had a lot of fun and talked about that connection oh, there. So maybe so you have to go to the, the class in order to find out sure. the meaning. The so the covenant that God makes with us in Jesus is I've mentioned the structure of the promises by which God saves His people. So structured promises is is the basic idea in Genesis chapter twelve. That sermon and podcast, and I talked about how there are different. There's God's covenant. To redeem is all one covenant, but there's different layers put on, mm-hmm. like the Russian nesting doll that's the same doll, but and same covenant, but you know, gets gets bigger over time. And yeah, it's just the way that God has decided to do it. So it's sort of the roadmap of redemption. And it is promissory. So that that's the connection between God's covenant with us and being in covenant. I talked at the new members class, our in covenant retreat last Sunday afternoon saying, now it's just a different word for membership. So Uh Liberty, you know, we just want, we just need to do things differently. So let's not call it, let's not have an English name for the name of our church. Let's not call membership in covenant. But the idea behind it, and this comes from Steve Huber, our communion director from a long time ago, your members, a lot of different places, your Costco, Costco, 
my favorite CrossFit gym and <laughs> and so on. Member at the library, <clears throat> any number of different clubs and associations. By calling church membership being in covenant, mm-hmm. that sets it off from being a member anywhere else. And I think for people that are members at Liberty Calling, so I'd, I hope that's a big deal for them right. and a big part of their identity. They're they're in the body of Christ, not just anywhere, but here. And there's a promissory character. So. I also said in the new members class, as new members come and take membership vows, which are promises, here at church, I, Eric Mitchell, our other elders and deacons, have already taken our own ordination and installation vows where we promise to care for and lead the church mm-hmm. well. So the being a part of Liberty Church Collingswood, membership-wise, does carry this promissory character. So sure. so, so the through line between the two is promise. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like the connection between um, this passage and that church membership to distinguish it from others because it is like a grace-driven covenant. Yeah. It's not a works-driven covenant where if um, if you break your promise, you're you were kicked out of Costco. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it, it's an interesting word to chew on and to think about when yep. when it relates to Abram and God's God's promises. Like even if you're trying to make God's promises happen, you're trying to make it happen incorrectly, or you're you're not living in actual active full faith. Um, yeah. Still people keeping their promises and not in a point system type way. Right. And it's not necessarily the case that every covenant necessarily is grace driven, but that's the specific nature of God's God's covenant to, to save here. Mm-hmm. And talk about being one covenant in traditional reformed and Presbyterian theology. It's been said that God originally made a covenant with Adam and Eve, which has been called the covenant of works where, which was, at least at one level, not 100% grace-driven covenant of works where mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, by virtue of their obedience, could have merited eternal favor with God. But that was lost in the fall. And so the covenant now, if God is to redeem a people, God's people, his presence, his place, it's got to be by grace because mm-hmm. uh, obedience was forfeited in, in Adam. So the great news about this covenant and that's Abram, Moses, David, all the way to Jesus. But then also Jesus fulfills the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve because Paul calls Jesus the second or the last Adam. It all comes together in Christ. But yeah, so now now it's now it's a covenant of grace, which a couple of ways is mentioned in the passage. Mm-hmm. The the whole thing about if usually two parties walk through the sacrifices as a bilateral invocation of curse. If the covenant is broken on either side, it's unilateral in this case. I don't know if you made it through the sermon long the enough. Bilateral to, to, just made me start thinking about part. Westworld. Right. <laughs> the bicameral mind. Yes. So this is unicameral. And so God alone walks through the pieces that have been sacrificed. And I, I should say here, just by way of talking about the Bible passage, it's not quite unanimous in opinion by commentators that 
the unilateral nature of the covenant is stressed by this detail of mm-hmm. God alone walking through the pieces. But it is well attested in history of interpretation of Genesis broadly that I feel more than comfortable making that point. And so it's God that takes the hit for covenant unfaithfulness of his people, mm-hmm. which is secured in Jesus. And so the whole justification thing, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. It wasn't Abram's obedience. It wasn't the quality of his faith even, but simply by believing in the Lord's gracious character towards him, which the Apostle Paul picks up and expounds at length on this passage mm-hmm. in Romans chapter 4. Right. Abram is the model for our being forgiven and our being considered just. Yeah. Um, in the eyes of a holy God. So this really is a key passage, not just in the context of Genesis, but this is, I think I mentioned during the sermon, one of the most quoted passages, chapters in, in the New Testament. So it's, right. it's, it's especially in the letters of Paul as he builds out the theology of God's covenant of salvation to us. Right. Good stuff. Yeah. Some juicy details. Um, are we moving on to muddying the waters? I, Did I you saw say you that flip because the page. Of, like, like making the sacrifices, like juicy sacrifices? No, I was saying that because you were saying like the, the theological debates over different passages, which is, that's that's your heady theo- theologians there. Right. Um, it's heady and it's juicy. <laughs> muddying the waters. What was fun about this particular sermon for you? I... I think one of the points of connection, hopefully, in preaching sermons in the context that we find ourselves in is it's not hard to get people to be thinking about their lives in the mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. Of, of journey or story. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what... And where is your story going? Right. Where is your story going? Are, how are you writing your story? Is it being written for you? Are you taking uh-huh. your own initiative to write your own story and make your own path? And... I think there's a real point of connection there between the biblical story and finding our stories. The difference is God wants to write our stories and it's better to let God do it than for us to feel the burden of having to do it all ourselves. Mm So, and and I even think mentioning your dad, Abram is such a journeyer. And I remember how you've said that you remember your dad talking, who's been around the world in a lot of different places, doing different things sometimes the way forward seemed clear to him sometimes not so yeah haven't you said that your dad has identified with the wanderings of abraham yeah right moving from um china to hong kong to texas (laughs) to baltimore all these like yeah and then to singapore and to hong kong again each, each path lots of different states in between too right um i think we could say that of ourselves too we've we've been around the block ourselves a little bit yes. but each stage does feel like it is the right place for where god has us at the time and that's that can be true of i think all of us for sure so yeah it's a, it it's an interesting connection um that god does seem god does have purposes for our lives and leads us in different directions yep. in a similar way yeah so finding ourselves in in god's journey and hopefully it spoke to christians in the room and skeptics and people that are trying to put things together the gap between promise and present and that certainly is the case here with abram god you made all these promises Mm -hmm. but the reality isn't fitting with that right even for people that don't necessarily believe in god we still have for ourselves a set of expectations and quote unquote promises Mm -hmm. about how we want life to go 
and very often our our present doesn't doesn't line up with that right and so one of the upshots of the sermon was hey what do you do with that where do, where do you go and I just love this idea too um, muddying the waters where followers of Jesus were able to define ourselves by not the past, not the present, but the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's one of those things where I'm endlessly fascinated by that idea. I mention it a lot in sermons. I hope it's something that's interesting to other people too, because right. I talk about it a lot. But it really is radically different from how, and I mentioned you know, whether you're defined by your past, negatively or positively, or your community, negative or positively, or your present individually, negatively or positively. Mm-hmm. Christianity is the only thing that I know where we're defined not by present or past, but where we're going. And it's a more difficult kind of identity formation because we don't obviously see the future. But Mm -hmm. the scriptures are designed to conjure such a sure and certain vision of the future that we're anchored in the present by what's ahead. Right. Or just being able to rest in that when I think a lot of people could be future oriented where they're, they're looking for their legacy. There's the yeah. Elon right. Musk's of the world um, trying to build, build their life so that there's a legacy that they can um, anticipate for their future. Yeah. But I think that that focus on kind of being calmed about both your past and present because we have a future hope is, is really important. Yeah. Um, Although Enneagram says that certain Enneagram types are more focused on one one of those orientations than another. Oh, but that's kind of a tangent. Okay. What what <laughs> what are what are Enneagram threes, which is what I am? I think I think Enneagram threes will tend to be future oriented. I actually don't remember. I think you're right. You might be Where right. Where are we going? And so like an Enneagram four, I know mine is past, but I don't think I I don't think I sit in the past as much as I could just because my memory is so bad. <laughs> the eternal you're, you're actually lucky that my memory mind. is so bad so that <laughs> I, can't, I can't sit in the you're, past. You're, you're not kidding. But but yeah, that that is an interesting point, um, at least as far as people have different orientations. orientations. And so, so it's not completely outlandish to tell people in Christ to be defined by your future. Mm-hmm. Thinking about something like vacation, people can look mm-hmm. forward to, hey, hey, there's a nice trip coming right. up or we're going to get get some time off. But think about how that can positively impact you where say, say you're at a tough stretch of job or something, but if you have this great vacation coming up, you're, you're able to, right? You're able to press ahead with, with, with more hope. Right. The difference is vacations end, but the eternity that God has planned for us does not. Or if you have an uncertain future or you don't have vacation planned, like exactly. that, the fact that you can rest in this yep. this hope of a of a of a even bigger future. Yeah. Is is good. Right. Good stuff. So that's how you're trying to address the context of um, all of us, the skeptics and Christians alike, to to offer yep. a hope a hopeful future. Um, orientation as as the solution for a lot of our anxieties. Yes, preaching the redemption of Christ to the Christian and non-Christian via the lens both of creation and fall. Mm-hmm. And also towards the end of the sermon, I might, I connected just so there is God's journey and then also God's God's justification. I'll I'll come back to this at different times for for the rest of the sermon series as sort of cultural totems 
shifts. I think it was the case late 20th century into the early 21st where you are what you do you are what you do as far as being a good person or accomplishing a lot of things justification in Christ engages with those impulses to say like hey you're not as good as you think you are you need free grace of forgiveness and that's how your identity is formed or accomplishing a ton of stuff isn't going to get you what you want either Jesus has accomplished for you. I think things have shifted now to, and some of this is healthy, some less so, but it, it's just different where we, we bear the, our identity is still performative, performatively generated, but it's less about accomplishing stuff and being good, I think, and more about being our own person and being true to our inner emotional selves while accepting others who are also on those journeys right yep but i think justification by faith still has something to say to that too where it's not necessarily for us to have to bear the weight of complete identity formation Mm -hmm. and instead we have an identity that's more durable because it's not performed but rather received Mm -hmm. and i i do wonder if there's a tipping point say for kids and and I think I mentioned talking to students at one point during the sermon or talking about students but hopefully I spoke to them and not just about them but talking about hey you don't have to figure everything out about yourself when you're 10 years old or 12 mm-hmm. years old or right. 14 years old just just be a kid and at a larger level be a kid in Christ where Jesus gives to you what you can't generate on your own whether you're 12 22 42 62 so yeah hopefully hopefully all that made sense good stuff as we muddy the waters (laughs) good stuff um bar fans cover tunes you uh started off with high school the musical the musical oh yeah that's right i forgot (laughs) when when was the last time you saw that did you see it with jesse oh yeah i I never have so (laughs) yeah it's it's just funny. Like or Claire and I were talking about like, it recently. Concept is funny. Yeah, yeah. High school musical, the musical, the series. So yeah, I was getting church planting, coaching, coaching certification. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and what what does it do positively for our relationship? Now that you know that I'm soon to become a certified <laughs> church planting coach, does does your estimation are of you, me rise? Are you going to coach me in finding a job? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to church plant, that's for sure. So maybe you can't, you probably can't. Um, yeah, it does start, it does start sounding a little bit like, um, like the, the office type um, naming systems structures, but what are we going to do? Degree inflation. Um, do you feel like you're a good, what is the worst, yes. what is the worst coaching experience you ever had? Oh, do you mean like sports or yeah, advice with, giving with with church planting? Oh, maybe you can't say those. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do sports. <laughs> What's the worst coach you ever had? <laughs> the worst coach I ever had. So I enjoyed tough, hard coaches, and I didn't enjoy. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> freshman year of high school when I was playing basketball on my on the freshman C team. And there was a C team. Yeah, it was like the freshman team. Oh, okay, got but it. but I was playing behind a couple of people that I should not have been playing behind. And according to you, according I mean according but, to me, 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, I. Huh. I was gonna say I probably shouldn't say his name, but it was Guy Farber. That was the coach. <laughs> Couldn't stand it. It was horrible. <laughs> coach Farber, if you're out there, you should have played me more. Don't think that I've gotten over it. I have not. Okay. Yep. Ho- hope that there hope you that go. is in ingrained in you as you coach other church planters. <laughs> think about the guy, whatever his name. Um, okay, that's Farber. my advice. <laughs> now you can go off and church plant. He is in boy. Um, so, um, and then you were referencing, you were referencing Osaka. Right. Sushi place. Yeah. Kind of a tangent. Right. That went yeah, we, nowhere. <laughs> we like, the two of us like sushi as, as, as well. So. True. I, I am glad that. Osaka's not my go-to. I have a sushi positive wife, even if Steve Huber does not. <laughs> and you're right. Osaka is not necessarily our go-to. But we're, we're you, more, you're, you're welcome to go to. It's not terrible. Right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Don't want to knock yep. Collingswood anymore then. Yeah. Anyway. So we're not knocking Collingswood at all. <laughs> it's great sushi. Great town. Um would you preach that in a sermon? You just did. I'm looking at our quote. Sorry, I oh, was yeah. talking to myself now. Right. What else did you quote? Galatians. I, yep, I had some Bible passages. Galatians three, Romans. Acts three, Romans four talking about the connections between God's covenant with Abram and how we are inheritors of Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. covenant through Jesus. There's that great Philippians 3 where our citizenship is in heaven and we await a savior from there Mm -hmm. who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Philippians was the first book of the Bible I ever preached through way back in like 2000 i guess the year 2000 into 2001 and old man i remember preaching that passage from romans 3 talking about the same stuff how Mm -hmm. we are defined by our future had a couple of bible commentator quotes which i don't normally do but klaus vestermann one of the reasons i included this Vestermann quote about the importance of Genesis chapter 15. Is it German? Because of the Germans, yeah. So so, so we have these two German exchange students living with us for a few weeks. They're really nice guys. We're we're having a great time. And I was going to impress them with my pronunciation of Klaus Vestermann. (laughs) Did you run that by their teacher first? But but they, they, they didn't show up. I like the other quote even more. Catherine Sankenfeld from her commentary on the book of Ruth. Mm, memory a great of the quote that, right. So the Bible story offers to its readers a memory of the future. A mm. vision of future hope couched in the form of a story from the past. I do like that that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Good for And, and it was a really good commentary on the, the book of Ruth. The Bible gives us a memory of the future. If only all commentaries and commentators could be good writers like <laughs> Catherine Seikenfeld. Thanks, Catherine. So, yep, we had that. And then the I mentioned a review article about the Lost Children ar- Archive. That, that book is by Valeria Luiselli. And not that I'm a cultural omnivore that keeps keeps pulse on everything, but but that's a book that I do here. I, I haven't read it, uh, but but referenced here and there periodically so maybe one of the more influential books over the past few years but the article itself was written by a guy named Jordan Kinsner talking about how it's hard for us to picture the future because it's too overwhelming for Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. and then instead of hope in the future it's only accumulation 
months, days, natural disasters, television series, terrorist attacks, divorces, mass migrations, birthdays, photographs, sunrises. Kind of like the character in Bruce Springsteen's Western Stars, who I mentioned a few weeks ago. These days, there isn't any more. Now it's just again. Yeah. Yeah. So that does feel zeitgeisty. Same, same, same idea. And yeah, I, I think I mentioned a statistic that 75% of Americans, all time high, are pessimistic about, about the future. Did, did, did you get the joke reference about 75% are pessimistic and 25% are lying about it? Missed it. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> You should, yeah, you could bury other little details. Actually, you do, I guess you do every week have your own insights. <laughs> Easter things. eggs. Um, yeah, and I, I, think I think that's all we had. I don't know if any other pop culture stuff snuck in one way or another. Not that I see. Oh, okay. um, good stuff, though. Yeah. Um, guitar slim pickings. Anything else? That is all I have. I don't think I have any guitar slim pickings. Wow. But. It, it, it First was, well, ever, you, you you maxed out what you wanted to say about this. The, it was How fun. Could it, be? it was fun to baptize Carol Baby on Aww, on on Sunday, and it was fun to be able to connect God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter fifteen, mm-hmm. with the covenant sign given to right. Abram and his offspring in Genesis chapter seventeen of circumcision. So. It was fun to make the theological connection during the baptism. Yeah. Genesis 17, circumcision, and it's in Colossians chapter 2, where I believe that Paul makes explicit the connection between circumcision and baptism. Although some of my Baptistic brothers and sisters are not as persuaded by that <laughs> connection, <laughs> including ones that I sleep with. <laughs> Do you want to? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, and do we have any Howlin' Wolves? We have Howlin' Wolf All right. from Abigail. And this relates to the Melchizedek stuff last time. Melchizedek. So, hey, Jim and Emily. Enjoyed the most recent sermon podcast on Abraham and Melchizedek. I studied Hebrews with my Bible study group this spring, and I think the topic of Jesus is the perfect type priest who can offer full atonement for us and is so exciting. Enjoyed the sermon. To Emily's question asking, do the Liberty Concert folks notice that you are preaching in order through Genesis? I personally can say yes. And <laughs> please keep doing this. I love studying the whole books of the Bible over a longer period of time and really to learn and digest it. Abigail, thank nice. you. Nice. Words like that keep us going. Good work. We, we appreciate it. And now for my Helen Wolf question, she writes, you kind of discussed the Melchizedek to Jesus connection in the podcast, but do you have any thoughts on the idea of Melchizedek as a theophany of the pre-incarnation Christ? And that question actually came up, was asked by Scott at home meeting on Wednesday night, not knowing that Abigail had, 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 had written in the, the, the same question. So um, there is a line of interpretation that holds that Melchizedek, the shadowy priestly kingly figure exactly. in Genesis chapter 14, is an instantiation of a pre-incarnate Christ. Right. I personally have never been persuaded by that. The, the reasoning is less on the basis of Genesis 14, more on the basis of what the author of Hebrews talks about Melchizedek having no father or, mo- or mother coming mm-hmm. from nowhere. And... How can a human being have no father or mother? Inference there is 
maybe a human being can't be like that. Therefore, this is potentially Jesus pre-incarnate. I, I think there are a couple other points in the Old Testament that I, I'm more open to that, to that possibility. The thing for me is there's no intimation of that at all in the Genesis 14 passage. And Melchizedek just is portrayed as a dude, just mm-hmm. a regular guy right there. In contrast, and we'll see this in Genesis chapter 16, there is a lot more overlap between angels of the Lord in Genesis and God himself. So interestingly, in Genesis chapter 16, an angel of the Lord appears to Hagar and midway through the path, it starts out by saying the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, but by the end of it, God, the Lord said to Hagar. So there is this this melding of angelic figures sometimes and God himself Mm -hmm. appearing. And in part because I see that overlap and connection being made explicitly, including in Genesis a couple chapters away, the absence of that in Genesis 14 with with Melchizedek is telling in in the other direction. And then going back to Hebrews real quick, I think it's it's a noble over-interpretation of what's ascribed to Melchizedek. Ooh, there. that's another so book title. The, noble the, overinterpretation. Right. So it or maybe like like a too much hyper hyper literalism there where the author of Hebrews is simply making a typological connection and not literally as far as where do babies come from is Melchizedek portrayed as parentless, but as far as the story itself in Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek is a shadowy figure who comes from nowhere. So mm-hmm. not for the purposes of parentage, but for the purposes of story, right. does Hebrews Melchizedek does. The have, whole book of have no parentage. So mm-hmm. that, But on the other hand, I, I'm not going to die on this hill. Something yeah. about the Rephaim. <laughs> <laughs> Sons of God. Fun times. Daughters you, of men. You theological yeah. uh, philosophers of which I'm not. <laughs> but but, but you, really are welcome, you are welcome. You are welcome to ponder this. That things. is one of the one of the yeah. types of things that Helen Wolves you are welcome to write in about. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Do you have any other announcements for us? No other announcements as far as I know. Okay. Good times here. Um, write in again. You know the address. I'm not going to let Jim say that again. <laughs> so I get to close up and just say goodbye. <laughs> Have a good week. And how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.